Are you ready to dive into the word? Today is part three of Love and Light, a dive into the epistle, First John, the book of First John, the letter, First John. All right. Father, thank you for illumination by your spirit. Teach us by yourself. Let us drink to the full. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen. Glory to God. All right. So, in the first part of the series, we were looking at the concept of God being love and God being light. And we said the devil never pioneered, never created, never invented anything. His sole modus operandi is to imitate and to corrupt. And we said from the beginning, God is light. God is love. These, these are characteristics of the nature, the essence of our father and that was the foundation and we said i mean once we are done with this series if there's anything i want you to remember it is that this 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 book was authored was commissioned by the spirit of god for us that your joy that my joy might be full that is the desire of the father that my joy will be full having unveiled having unlocked having intermeddled with these truths the outcome, the desired outcome is that your joy, my joy, will be full. Glory to God. All right. So, in the very first part, we said that the book, even though it's five chapters, can be divided into six parts. So, we covered the first two parts in part one. The second, which is the third and fourth parts, all right, in the part two, and today we'll be looking at main points five and six, wrapping the book up. And then next week, Wednesday, by God's grace, if Jesus tarries, we'll be taking some questions. I, I will, if I'm led, tell you the questions right now um, that we will be tackling with tackling next week, Wednesday. Glory to God. All right. So let's go to our um, text, anchor text for the month, First John chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. Someone wanted to say Luke 18, verse 1. I know, I know that series haunted us for so long. Glory to God. First John chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. He who says is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. Verse 10. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Verse 11 says, But he who hates his brother is in darkness, walks in darkness, and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Mm. So in the very first part, we looked at fellowshipping with God by walking in the light. I believe that session blessed you. It's available on all platforms. And we looked at obey, remain, and love. Those were the first two parts we looked at in part one. And then last week, Wednesday, we talked about spiritual maturity and the enemies of fellowship. We looked at infancy, we looked at adolescence, and we looked at maturity. We looked at infancy. Your sins are forgiven. You have come to know the Father. We looked at adolescence. It says you have overcome. You have, you have strength in you. How? Because you have loaded yourself with the word. You have overcome. And then we talked about maturity, the fathers. For you have known the one from the beginning. And then we talked about the enemies of fellowship. We talked about the love of the world and its constituents. The lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, and the pride of possessions, the pride of life. We talked about that, and we talked about the spirit of the Antichrist, which essentially isn't some funny product or funny company, no. It is not some injection or some, some, some microchip, no. All right, the spirit of the Antichrist is every demonic influence that is against the establishment of the lordship of Christ in the hearts of men. In the hearts of women, in the as as a as a compass for society, everything that fights it being Christ-like, that is the real oppression of the spirit of the Antichrist. Hmm. Somebody say glory to God. And then number four point where we rounded up last week 
is being a child of God and loving the children of God. That the world doesn't know us. The world doesn't rate us. It, it, it doesn't yet appear. Hmm. All right, so let's, 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 let's dive a bit further this evening. As we begin to tie up the conversation, um, first John, next week, next week, let me just say this. Next week, Wednesday, we will answer two questions. One question from this series, because it has multiple facets, and then one question from the last series, which has lingered, but I sense it needs to address it. It's a question I had for many years. It's a question that someone, very respected father figure, who tunes into our services and who has been blessed, in, in his words, very blessed by these teachings, also sent to me. So it occurred to me, you've had this question. All right, this question is coming back. There, there might be many others who have this question about prayer, especially praying in tongues. All right. Um, so we'll come to that next week. And the, first, the question, the qu main question I want to answer is, how exactly can I love people? How exactly can I love people? Because there are different kinds of people. What scripture tells us to love, it says, oh, no man, nothing except love. It's a, it's a debt I owe you. It's not about your behavior, your mood. It's not about how nice, how deserving. Scripturally, I owe you love. Someone is saying, this pastor lives in another planet. He's not met, he's not met my siblings. <laughs> he doesn't know my family members. He, does, he doesn't know our church. He doesn't know. He, he takes his, his, you know, smiley, smiley, KICC. Let him come to our church for one Sunday. One Sunday, he will see that you cannot love everybody. All right? But I will show you, in accordance with God's word, the secret that unlocks this possibility. It's not always, it's an open secret. It's in God's word. Glory to God. All right, so let's dive into our assignments this evening. This evening, we are considering the last two portions of the book, First John. The first one is the spirit of truth and the love of God. The spirit of truth and the love of God. Remember, we, we touched this a bit last week, talking about deception and the spirit of deception. The first part we, we, we jump into this evening is the spirit of truth and the love of God. And the last part, number six, the last and final, is intimacy with God and praying with confidence. Intimacy with God and praying with confidence. Glory to God. Let's go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16 and read from verse 12 to verse 15. He says, I have yet many things to say unto you. This is Jesus speaking. He says, but you cannot bear them now. It means if I begin to unveil these secrets, if I begin to unveil these mysteries, essentially, I am going to be speaking over your head. You, you, do, not have, you, you, you do not have the, the, the internal capacity to receive this. So there, there is no use bothering. It says in verse 13, Albeit when he, the spirit of truth, this is Jesus speaking, albeit when he, the spirit of truth, not when it, when he, this is a person, when the spirit of truth is come, it says part of his, his designation to you, the believer, please receive this as God's word, is that he will guide you into all truth. How do we know that this is the guidance of the Spirit of God? It will guide you into all truth. Yes. It says, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear. So, essentially, what the Spirit of God does is to reproduce the will, the counsel of the Christ. It says, he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. Verse 14 makes it plain to us. He says, he shall glorify me, the Son. This is the Son speaking. That the Spirit will glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. He shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Now, if he's receiving of mine, what exactly is the boundary of what is mine? Verse 15. He says, all things that the Father has are mine. So the next one, what does the Father have? <laughs> Can you see exactly the, the treasure trove 
that having the Spirit of God exposes you and I to, the, the realms that the Spirit of God can pick from and reveal to us and show us and teach us and guide us. But he's saying that you have to appreciate the Spirit of God, not just as the Spirit for signs, Spirit for miracles, spirits, those are express manifestations of the Spirit, but we must uncover that this is also the Spirit of truth. Spirit of truth, because we live in a time where deception is on steroids in its most subtle and in, in its most overt form. You, you can sense desperation from the camp of the enemy. If you have any, any form of sensitivity, there is in, in a normal playing field, there is strategy to tactics. All right. I know some business people don't like that because tactics talk about short term tactics short-term plans and strategy as a long term and i'm saying there's strategy to tactics it, the whole idea is it's planned it's calculated but the kingdom of hell is trained every and all sorts plus the obvious joker and the non-joker the obvious sheep the obvious wolf in fact some wolves have come out and started saying junk before they discovered they didn't wear their sheep clothing just because the time is short the time is short all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore said I that it shall take of mine all things that the Father has and shall show it unto you. The spirit of truth. Somebody say the spirit of truth. Hmm. Spirit of truth. So let's go back to First John. Let's go back to First John. It talks about the spirit of truth and the love of God. An intimate connection that because of the Father's love, it does not want you and I to be victims of deception. Please hear me, child of God. I, I have I've been around for a while, all right, young by all, by all standards and definitions, but I've been around enough to see the strong fall victim to deception. I've been around to see the solid, the seemingly solid, which is why you don't measure the strength of a person or a building by how they look or how they sound on the outside. There is something called inner strength. There is something, and we are going somewhere this evening. Please stay with us. There is something called inner strength. It is, a, it is, a, it is an exclusive preserve, all right, of the ministry of the Spirit. It is, a, it is a consequence of a spirit of revelation. It is a consequence of a spirit of wisdom, of knowledge, that you've unraveled a body, a body of truth, not a system of facts and information. couple of months ago now, one of the world's leading apologists. Tony saying, what is that? So there's a field called apologetics, which is literally from the word apologia, which Peter uses in his, in his epistle where he says that you must be ready or right to make a defense for the faith that you have received. A defense. The word there, defense, is apologia. To be able to meet intellectuals and have solid conversations about this truth that you believe. One of the leading voice, voices in the world, and I say this without any form of remorse, whom I believe now has gone home to be with the Lord. And if you don't believe that, that's also fine. But after his passing, some revelations came out about the intricacies of his life, and many were so disappointed that someone put on social media, do I keep his playlist? Do I still listen to him? Or do I go and delete everything? Hey, you drank from that fountain, you now want to undrink? But what's the point I make here? We, we, need, we need a solid stature, a solid intimacy with the spirit of truth to be able to pick deception from it when the, it's just rearing its head, when it's still like this. If you are waiting for deception to be full-blown, you have already been deceived. Somebody needs to write that down. If your approach to deception is let it be overt, uh -uh, we will know if it is. The, we, if, if that's the point you are waiting for, then you have already been deceived. Hmm. Okay, let's go to First John chapter four. First John chapter four. Um, I'll read just from verse one to three. First John chapter four, from verse one to three. It says, "Beloved, believe not every spirit." It says, "But try the spirits." Whether they are of God. Why? Because 
many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now I'm wondering the date that this letter was written, if, if the choice word was many, I'm wondering what we should use for our time. Wilding, it's, it's mind-blowing sometimes. And let me tell you what sustains it. Please hear me, child of God. This ministry of false prophecy is sustained. Remember how Paul puts it, writing to his son. He says, in the last days, in the last days, perilous times shall come. He says, many will have itchy ears. Itchy. It means that they will be selective of what they want to listen to. People will begin to have the audacity to have membership meetings with their pastors and say, Pastor, you are, you are teaching too much of the word. We need our sermons to be more inclusive. We need, we need the language of, of the sermon to, to be inclusive. Jesus, and they will back it up. Jesus ate with sinners. He was called the friend of the tax collectors. If Jesus was living in our day and time, he would be wearing a pride t-shirt. People will say all sorts. And some people, let's, just, let's, let's hear them out. Let's hear them out. And then the, 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 the dear man or woman of God who is trying to, to listen to the people. Next week we'll talk about the people. We're trying to engage the people who say, hmm. You know, I heard the story of a man of God who was invited to a church for an evening service. And when he got there, you know, when you're waiting and about to be called up, you're, you've already charged up and you're ready to go, and you know, you know, released by the power of the Holy Ghost. And the host pastor came to him and said, eh, thank you so much for coming, for honoring our invitation. Uh, just following some of the, you know, decisions from our recent board of meetings, uh, board of directors, we just wanted you to know that we don't really talk about sin. We don't talk about the cross. We don't use any language that will put anybody off. We just want to tell people how God loves them and how God has a purpose for them. We don't use any negative language here. So immediately the man <laughs> heard, he, just spied, he said, glory to God. And he said, where are you going? He said, the message I came to preach, he said, I shouldn't preach it. So the one you want to hear, you joy, you just preach it. You don't need a guest minister for that. It says people will have itchy ears. People will, they, they will begin to choose what they want to hear. And part of the reason why I believe God wants to bless his children is so that his servants are not at the mercy of people who are wove, I, I call them wove funders. Wove funders. They will tell you, Pastor Pity, if this is what you preach over the next 12 months, we'll sign you a check to put you on TV. First go, not me, <laughs> not me. Glory to God, glory to God. I had the story of a pastor who was threatened by the top two givers in his church. The top two, these are people who, if they don't give offering and tithe in a month, the church will feel it. And they had met first before they met Pastor. And he told Pastor, we, We've 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 studied the trajectory of this church, we can do more, we have the potential for more. Or your messages are restricting. Your messages are restricting. If you will, you know, just go in this line a bit. He said, we will give more. And they gave him ultimatum. But if you won't, we will leave. He was going to listen to them. When the Spirit of God told him, whose church is it? Whose church is it? Just one question. Whose church? Is it the church of the people or is it the church of Jesus the Christ? He said, it is Jesus' church, he, he chooses those he will use to build it, but the moment they eject themselves from God's plan, then God will raise. See, God can fund this church with stone. God can fund this church with strangers. People who, <laughs> straight, absolute strangers, they will just, but we will pass the test of obedience, the, the test of refusing compromise. Many have, see, many have fallen on this hill of compromise. Verse 2. 1 John chapter 4. It says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Ah, God help us this evening. It says, Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. So, that's test one. Hmm. Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. Now, someone is reading verse 2 and verse 3 saying, Why is John making the difference? 
<laughs> ah, look at it again. It says, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. It says, and this is that spirit of Antichrist, depending on your English Englishication, whether it's anti or antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. It says that spirit is here, that spirit is at work, that spirit is on steroids, that spirit is amongst us, it's, it's with us, it's living, that spirit is wearing suits on Sundays, that spirit is wearing trainers and, and, and kicks. Glory to God. Glory to God. It says, but if you have the spirit of truth. Now, someone is listening to this and you are, and you are wondering, is God's desire for me to be a quality assurance agent? Is God inviting me to the place of paranoia where I, I am just literally everywhere, just scanning? You know, PD comes, glory to God, love and light. And just boom, new age, new age, PD, scan, test on spirits, scan, love and light, new age terminology, uh, deception points, PD, five, truth points, two. Is that what God is inviting us to? To begin to scan everywhere. Now, this is, this is what the Spirit of God would have us do. It's saying that there is a working of his spirit in you that will sit uneasy in a company of content sponsored by demons. It just won't sit with you. It won't sit with you. There is nothing wrong in verifying God's word. Remember, the Bible tells us of the Bereans. It says they were, they were more fair-minded. That was the description in the book of Acts. He says they were more fair-minded. These were solid believers. They will go to church, hear a wonderful sermon, and they won't just fling, boom, boom. They will get back home and bring out their Bibles, bring out their dicks, bring out their concordance, or bring out Bibles, what? You know, bring everything out and begin to digest. Aha, the spirit of truth. This is what the word of God is saying, yes. And they established it as truth. Not, not with a view to going back next week and say, hey, pastor, you said this. <laughs> The Greek word is not actually pedagogia. It's pedagogy. <laughs> That's not, the moment you see that, you remember, it says how you know it is my spirit. It takes of mine. It takes of mine. It's, it's not, your, your Greek is faulty, hands up. No, that's not the spirit of truth. Glory to God. Glory to God. It says, test all spirits. Be discerning. Be dis Don't be a surface value, surface value Christian. It looks, it looks Christian. Therefore, it is Christian. Sounds Christian. The name is Church of, of, of God or Church of Christ. Therefore, it is of Christ. Test all spirits. Now, this is very important. Someone also is listening and is saying, Oh, this sounds like one of the gifts of the Spirit that Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, just the way I just believe we've answered that. That's why I can use this as an example. We've answered it in this, in this place from this pulpit. All right, that God expects you, all right, as his child, all of us. He tells us in Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Holy Ghost and all speaking tongues. However, there is a gift of diverse kinds. There is a gift of diverse kinds. If we can take the same concept here, John is saying that every believer that has the Spirit of God on your inside should be able to discern error. You should be able to tell. However, there is a working of the gift of the Spirit, which is discerning of spirits, which is your ability by and in gifting of the Spirit, not just to tell that this doesn't sit right, all right, not just to tell that this doesn't feel right, not just to tell that this sounds right, this sounds correct, but it doesn't sit well with my spirit. I know what I just said now just resonated with someone because what you didn't connect with is not like they said something false. And that's why the spirit of God is warning his church today. You cannot just, it sounds counterintuitive. You cannot just judge a book by its cover. Scratch that. You cannot judge a book by its contents. He's saying you judge a book by the spirit of its author. Meaning that everything being said 
everything written literally is correct. But the spirit sponsoring it is, is wrong. It's not the spirit of God. It has not taken from what is mine. There is nothing Christ-like about that content. All right. Let's push it a bit more. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. For, for those taking notes and writing down scriptures, this is where Paul talks about the gift of the working of miracles and prophecy and discerning of spirits and diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Let me show you another scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. It says, and no marrow. It says no surprises. No, we are not mind blown. We are not shocked here. It says, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. It's saying that the master of the master of the master of deception is the one with whom we have been set up against. Is the king, chief, priest of deception. If you want it to glow, it can make it glow. If you want it to shine, it can make it shine. If you want it to look drabby, it can make it whatever concept you have of what is right. It can come in that similitude, but we have been instructed that we are able to discern by the Spirit. Hmm. It says, Jesus has come in the flesh. Now, there was a popular heresy going on in the time of John that there was Jesus, the son of Joseph, and then there was Jesus, the Christ. Please listen. It's not popular today. All right. And sometimes when you read um, and study Bible history, you begin to appreciate how we got where we are and how some literally paid with their blood for the truth to live. There was Jesus, the son of Joseph. There was Jesus, the Christ. They believe he was born normally. Normal birth delivery. And then at his baptism, the spirit came upon him. In that moment, he became Jesus, the Christ. And at crucifixion, the Christ left, was now Jesus again. Sounds very subtle. It even sounds somehow to your ears now. But if he was writing this today, you'll be shocked what he will specify. Lots of interesting doctrines flying left, right, center. And the reason why many are deceived is because they don't even know what the book says. Because let me tell you, the, 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 the challenge to deception is, is, is deep. It's really deep. He's saying even when you know what the book says. He's saying you won't pick this thing book to book. You won't pick this thing word to word. You will pick it spirit to spirit. Okay, please give us Psalms 42 verse 7. Psalms 40, someone will get it now. Psalms 42 verse 7. It says deep calls unto deep. Deep calls unto deep. Deep calls unto deep. Deep calls unto deep. Hmm. It says that the noise of their water sprouts, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Deep calls unto deep. The, the, the scripture is encouraging us here that you need to pick this thing at a level of depth. When someone is saying, but what did they say? It's, it's not about what they said. There is a spirit that they carry. I can tell why because this is where I live. I live in his presence day and night. I have fellowship with his spirit. I know his spirit and I know that ain't the spirit of God. You might be asking for proof, but am I not a proof yet? Please put on the screen Acts chapter 2 verse 42. Am I not a proof yet? But I've sensed this. I've picked this. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. It says there is something we received. There's something we've touched. There's something we've looked upon. That is what we are passing on to you. That is what we are teaching you. Anyone who comes with something else and they tell you they received it from some mountain, they got it from some revelation, it says that, hey, flag it. Flag it. Flag it. I can sense someone struggling with this. Struggling with this. So let me give you one more scripture that will settle it for you. Acts chapter 16. Let's pick it from verse 16 all the way to 18. Acts chapter 16. We'll pick it from verse 16 all the way to verse 18. Acts chapter 16. Let, let's just settle it once and for all. I don't know if it is on your screen yet. If it is not on your screen, you have your Bibles. Let me tell you what is going on here. The Bible tells us that Paul, okay, it's now on my screen. I believe it's on your screen also. And it came to pass as we went to prayer that a certain damsel 
possessed with a spirit of divination, methods. Now, this in science is what you call a retrospective diagnosis. On day one, they didn't know what was going on. Let's go on. She met us. She brought her master's much gain by soothsaying. Now, listen to me. This is how you know the spirit of divination. If you check any basic, decent lexicon of the Bible, the word there called spirit of divination is spirit of python, python, python. <laughs> Did I just do that on TV? Uh-huh. So she had a spirit of python. Let me tell you, spirit of python will not come telling a lie. Because if it is telling a lie, it's not spirit of python, it's spirit of wolf. All right, verse 17. The same followed Paul and us and cried saying, these men are the servants of the most high God which show us the way of salvation. That's all she was saying. And verse 18 says she did this many days. So day one, these men are servants of the most high God. They carry the way of salvation. Now, content, what she's saying, is it true or false? How she's saying it? True or false? Even the whole idea of saying it. She did it many days. I'm sure something, something just didn't sit right with Paul. They, they were going to prayer. Something didn't sit right. It was deep calling to deep. He said, but hear what she said. Hear what she said. We're actually the men of God. What we carry salvation. Deep to deep was saying, hey, it is not my spirit. That is Python at work. She did many days, but Paul being grieved, now there was a staring up in... See, this is how we, we, we greet this spirit of deception that wants to rubbish Christianity and the faith today. The whole idea is to make everything, to, to, to bundle everybody in one WhatsApp group and to call it rubbish together. That, that's the whole agenda. Turned and said to that spirit, I'm sure he loved the, 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 the young lady, he said, but there's something in you. I command thee in the name of Jesus, come out of her now. He says, and he came out the same hour. That demonic spirit came out. He says, there is an affront that we have. Spirit of deception. Sometimes it will sound right, but something on your inside won't sit with it. You won't be able to listen to all songs just because they're called gospel music. You won't be able to listen to all sermons just because everybody's saying this is the pastor reigning now. This is the one reigning now. Go and listen, listen here. You, you try to listen. Something just doesn't sit right. It's, they've not even said anything wrong yet. Because if this python spirit had been left to continue... And let me tell you, one of the quickest ways you know that this is not the Spirit of God, according to this scripture, the whole idea is profit. The whole idea is gain. She brought much gain for our, for our owners. That's the whole idea. That's the, that's the, 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 the Python ministry is about profit, nothing else. Nothing. It doesn't matter what they say. They say we are here for souls, we are here. <clears throat> Bottom line is it is about profit. Spirit of truth and the love of God. So, how do you test the spirits? Number one, believing that Jesus is the Son of God. He has come in the flesh. John 1.14 tells us, the word, the word became, he's not another Jesus. The word became flesh. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the, Acts 2.42. I don't know if I want to go here. Spirit of God, help me. Acts 2.42 says they continued in the Apostles' Doctrine. There is something popular called the Apostles' Creed. It sounds very close to the Apostles' Doctrine. <laughs> the Apostles' Doctrine is the Apostles' Doctrine. The Apostles' Creed is where men met together and, and said this is what we believe. Let me just leave it, leave it at that. Child of God, please, for your life, for your soul, for your spirit, invest heavily in the truth of God's word. Sell all you have, buy truth. I speak figuratively. Go after truth. Go after truth. And when you find a vessel that God is using to dish truth, pray for them. Because those vessels become the best, the best, instead of building Python from the scratch. Why don't you take the one that has a, a steady following, one that, that has some degree of credibility, and begin to inject some poisonous content into their, 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 their fountain. And it, it, it's gradual blending. Gradual blending. Just one 
My wife showed me one article. Great ministry in the city here. Invited a solid man of God from the States to come and preach. The man preached, preached the word of God and left. And the people started signing petitions to the pastor. We don't like that pastor because he preached against homosexuality. Please do not bring him back to this church again. Never invite him because we know Jesus. You don't know Jesus. Let's start from there. You don't know Jesus. Glory to God. I said glory to God. I said, are you, st- are you still with us this evening? We're rounding up. This is God's word. It is, it, I, I am more comfortable doing this because this is God. This is not my ideas. This is not my opinion. This is God's word to us. It says you need, you need intimacy with the spirit of truth. If not, we will be made, we will be, we will be rubbished by wolves and by this spirit of python that is on the loose in our days. It's on the loose. It's on the loose. It says, remember, point five, the spirit of truth and the love of God. And the love of God. So it says in verse seven to nine. Hmm. Okay, let's move on. First John chapter four, verse seven to nine. It says, you will love one another. It is connected to your understanding of the spirit of truth. If you have the spirit of truth, you will love one another. You will love one another. If you have a damsel around you who has a spirit of divination, you will love her enough to cast out. If, look, at, look at what was used in that verse. Paul faced her and spoke to it. Come out in the name of Jesus and he came out. I don't know if you saw that in that scripture. The young lady was just a vessel. I'm sure it was because of love. It says you, you won't spend another night in this vessel. Of course, it, it led to something else in the city because of gain. Gain. First John chapter 4, verse 7. We used to sing this when I was in, in Sunday school growing up. All right. Beloved, let us love one another. Some people are literally singing as I'm reading. For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knoweth God. It says, But he that loveth not, Knoweth not God, for God is love. Hmm. This is deep. This is profound. Verse 9. It says, in this was manifested the love of God toward us, or to us, word, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. Let us love one another. Let us love one another. Let us love one another. Now, Broken, let me just say this. And then we'll jump to verse 17. I'll, I'll say this. I think somebody needs to hear this now. Hurt people hurt people. Broken people will exploit every avenue to break people. Healed people, whole people, whole people who are, who are secure in Christ and in their sense of completeness, they look for opportunities when they see brokenness in people to restore wholeness. And this is the real point I want to make, just the way I've written it down in my notes. Perfectly loved people have the capacity to love perfectly. All right. Let us sink in for a minute. Let us sink in for a minute. This is a well-known truth. Whenever you see people who all they want to do is, is I mean, we, 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 we know people like that around us. It doesn't matter who or what, any mood you are, they will not rest until your mood is low. They won't. There are persons like that. They, 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 they just cannot sustain it. Why are you happy? They won't ask you that question, but they will just bring all the facts again. Dig out things that you must now begin to worry about. I don't know if you have people like that around you. You have to be very sensitive. Sometimes you pick a phone call. By the time that call is done, your, 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 your consciousness is that, man, God is not good. God has forgotten me. Things have gotten tough. There are people who are draggers. They, are, they, they, they have been sent. They don't know who has sent them. They think they are being 
consider it. But really, what they are doing is they are digging things you've forgotten, things you've let go. They are digging it out. That's because they are broken. They are not healed. You have to protect your space because what? The grace they carry. Pardon my use of their word. The fragrance they carry is a fragrance of brokenness. Therefore, <laughs> glory to God. Is it, we are being instructed here that if God is asking you to love people, it is because he has loved you perfectly. And based on being perfectly loved, he expects us to be able to show that love to others. Now, remember, we were not deserving. He loved us anyways. That person he has asked you to love won't be deserving. They won't be deserving of, of that love, of that mercy, of that grace. They won't be deserving of it. But he says, in any ways, you will love them. Can we see verse 15? 1 John 4, verse 15. 1 John 4, verse 15. Thank you. It says, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. Wow, there are, there are so many moving parts to this. <laughs> so many moving parts. Trusted the Lord to give us illumination. So what exactly is the apostle saying here? What, what is the thought pattern here? He's saying that God has loved you perfectly. Settle that. Remember what he said? Little children, your sins are forgiven. Settle that. All right? So that is settled. You have been perfectly loved. Why? Because all of God's grief, all of God's anger, how propitiation, if there's any word you leave this series with, I think that's a good choice. Propitiation. All of God's wrath epitomized in that sacrifice. That sacrifice was made for me. I've been perfectly loved. Therefore, I have the capacity to perfectly love others. Now, he's telling us, how do you know those who have received perfect love? This is going to be strong. Many will not like this. But he says, if you understand that you have been perfectly loved, you will confess Jesus. It means you will be a soul winner. You will not be at peace with keeping quiet about Jesus. If you are, this is tough. This is tough for a lot of us. If you are at ease about evangelism, you've not unveiled perfect love. If you've not done that, you will not be able to love others perfectly. So when you say, how is it connected? How is it connected? Until you're like, ah, I see it now. Soul winners. <laughs> Let me tell you something about soul winners. And this is not legalism. This is not moral. The reason why a lot of people cannot do evangelism on their streets, on their <laughs> some cannot even do evangelism in their country. They need to travel far to a place where they are not known. So that when you say Jesus loves you, the people will not come out and say, Hey, who's preaching today? You, you know Jesus? So they would rather go on mission trip than to, than to do missions on their street. Please, please do not get me wrong. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with mission trip. But I'm saying that there's a dimension of understanding his perfect love. You, won't, you can't keep it. You will confess Jesus. People will know. And the people that will know, they will have seen you loving first. They will have seen your life. This is a life of love. Whatever this person has to say is worth listening to. The, our, our gospel has been watered because we've not been people of love. We talk a lot about love. We pray a lot about love. When it is now time to love, they love. You know, you think, no, no, don't think because I'm a Christian. Don't think because I'm a... It says you'll confess it. If you've been perfectly loved, you'll be able to love perfectly. Let's go to verse 17 to 18 and then we can move to point number 6 and begin to tie this up. Glory to God. I trust that you have been blessed so far. All right. First John chapter 4. Let me read verse 17 and verse 8. Verse 17 and 18. It says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. That is, we may have a confidence in the perfect work that Jesus has done. We have that assurance of salvation, so that we are not showing up before that throne all right, wondering what the outcome will be. It says, because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18. 
it says, if you can unlock this level, it says, there is now no fear. There is no fear in love. When you find perfect love, there is no fear. There is no, hey, hey, mm -mm. there is no fear in love. It says, perfect love. A perfect understanding of the sacrifice of Christ. A perfect internalization of the concept of propitiation casts out fear. Because fear has torment. Fear as torment. That, that's, that phrase is little but it's important. Because scripture teaches us a lot about the fear of God. So John quickly inserts it. I'm not talking about reverence here. I'm talking about fear. The word there is where we get phobia from. Phobia. Phobia as torment. If I can put it that way. It says he that fears. He that has phobias. Evangelism. Phobia. Preaching. Phobia. Love to my neighbor. Phobia. Speaking well, phobia, peace, peace, phobia, phobia of <clears throat> rapture, shop. <clears throat> phobia. It says then they are not made perfect in love. This is a bit tough. This is a bit tough. This love conversation is so critical. And let me just say this, especially in the same breath as we speak about deception. We'll go to number six shortly, and we tie this up. Let me say this. I sense the spirit of God leading me to say this. Maybe I will understand why. I am saying this later. Left to me, I maybe won't say it, but let me say it. Um, there, there has been so much lovelessness. Bad English, but you shouldn't be surprised right now. There has been so much lack of love among so-called Christians and so-called believers that many are now beginning to reinvent a way to force believers to love. And let me say this. If you are really going to have a genuine love walk, you will have a built-up spirit. Okay, somebody take, needs to write this down. It takes an edified spirit to sustain a genuine love walk. That means I can love you genuinely and it is real. It's not shady. It's not, it's not you won't go, man, and you'll just be like this. You're in your, you're, you're taking a shower and I'm just thinking, <laughs> this thing PD did. I know the real PD. Maybe love and light has touched him. But you just know that this is not genuine. You know this is not genuine. You, you know, you're just there under the shower. I'm like, ah, I knew it. There's, there's, there's something fishy in that corner. Many people are beginning to clamor. That, of course, that won't be the name. They are beginning to clamor for fishy love. Let me tell you, we... <sighs> Help us, Spirit of God. Let, let's put it this way. Now, why, why really am I saying this? Let me say, say it, and then I'll go back to explaining it. The fact that many do not live a life of love and are not walking in love, it doesn't mean we should go and rewrite Scripture and claim that the proof that you have the Spirit of God is that you have love. Because if we are not careful with good intention, remember, this, this can is not word to word, it's not statement to statement, it's spirit to spirit. The, the desire, the words actually might sound right, but when you have a spirit to spirit connection, you, say, you, you will tell yourself, we won't, today is not the day we will start bending scriptures, because if we permit a 10 degree bend today, of course, if it's 180 degrees, everybody will shout and say, no, that ain't scriptural. But just because it's a slight deviation, we're like, yeah, makes sense. Hey, let God's word be true. Let God's, let me tell you, at salvation, you were born of his spirit. The nature of that spirit is the spirit of truth. The nature of that spirit is the character of the father, which is love. That is scriptural basis enough to insist that a believer should walk in love. We do not have to reinvent scripture and say that proof of being filled with the Spirit is not speaking in tongues. That's unscriptural. Everywhere people got filled with the Spirit, they spoke in other tongues. It takes, because this is a tool for edification. I know you want me to act like I love. I'm sorry, I can't pretend for too long. That's why <clears throat> I can't pretend for too long. But if I have, remember, Paul says, I pray in tongues more than you all. He didn't have to say I love more than you all. That is a byproduct 
of an edified spirit. Even when you are wrong, even when you criticize me, even when you write all sorts about me, even when you flog me, even when you stone me, even when you lock me up, I'm still going to love you because it is not about who you are, what you've done. It's a nature that oozes from me and I have a spirit man. I have an edified, built up man that is able to sustain genuine love, not fake love. Because when we rewrite scripture and say it's not about speaking in tongues now, now, it is true. There are many who are not filled with the Spirit who are speaking in tongues. Many. All right? But if you are filled with the Spirit, you will speak in tongues. A word, they say, is enough for the wise. So, as we're tying up the entire series, number one, fellowship with God by walking in the light. Number two, obey. Remain and love. Number three, spiritual maturity and the enemies of fellowship. Number four, being a child of God and loving the children of God. Number five, the spirit of truth and the love of God. Perfect love. And then number six, which is where we draw the curtains on this entire series, is intimacy with God and praying with confidence. Intimacy with God and praying with confidence. Intimacy with God and praying with confidence if you were to give the entire book just one one title i think if you say fellowship with god as the one you pick you're correct if you say intimacy with god you'll be right remember what we said in part one god does not want a long distance relationship with you he wants you and i to come home to come close no intermediaries no intermediaries he wants you built up it wants you built up. Okay, let's go to First John chapter 5. Let's read verse 3 to 4. Read a couple of more verses and then we'll, we'll call it an evening. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. All right, First John chapter 5. I read from verse 3 to 4. It says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. It says... His commandments are not grievous. His commandments are not grievous. I could stop there. It says, verse 4, for, who, so for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Even our faith. It says, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, that we obey his words. And his commandments are not grievous. That's instructive. That's instructive. We have a generation that has been lied to. You don't have to go the boring way. You're a young man. You're a young lady. You have a life ahead of you. You have fun. You have fun to fun. To fun it. All right. Fun. Have fun. Don't live a drab, boring life. And I'm sorry that Christianity has been presented as, as, as drab, boring life. Boy, but this is where real life is. And we don't feel caged. We don't feel caged because we have found love. We don't feel caged because we have found love. Now, if you've not found love, if what is sustaining your behavior modification program, which you call salvation, that's not, that's not salvation, but all right. But if what is sustaining it is fear, you will feel caged. That's when you, you hear a knock on the door and you're not, maybe it's pity coming to visit you. You now go to your browser, delete your entire browser. You go to your phone, you reset the phone. You, you, go to your, <laughs> you, you go to your kitchen, you go to your fridge, you delete everything in the fridge, you just straight out. Oh, bless you, PD, you're welcome. Welcome. You're welcome. All right. <laughs> That's bondage. Set yourself free. That's bondage. That's bondage. So there are those who do that life. There are those who, see, pretense is exhausting. If you want to stay in that place, stay there well. I believe there will be a... This is me. You know, in, in, in scripture, Paul will say, I speak as a man. All right? So I speak as a man. I believe there will be a special place in hell for pretenders because they didn't do the will of the devil well enough. And they still didn't serve God. So Jesus said, you're neither hot nor cold. You look warm. 
than scripture if we were acting scripture out. We are getting to the last of the last days. It's time to take a stand. It's, it's fine if you don't believe his love for you. It's okay. You go to the other side. Paul, Paul put it this way. He says, knowing therefore the terror of God will persuade men. You don't, you don't see payment has been made. You, do, you don't get it. You don't have to pay again. Love, this, this is the greatest show of love. That he will lay down his life for us while we were yet sinners. While we were yet enemies of God. He, he shed his blood for us. He's made the access available for you and I to come close. Someone this evening, you are done with pretense. You are done with secret, secret service Christianity. There are some nobody in your entire circle knows you are a Christian. Nobody can guess. If, the, if, you, if you do a quiz with your friends and you tell them what religions do I mean, list 10, sincerely, they won't, they won't mention Christianity in the top 10. Been born again for years. All right. It says his commandments are not grievous. There is an expectation that you and I will obey. Let's begin to tie this up. Let's begin to tie this up. Let's begin to tie this up. Praying with confidence. I think I want us to end on that note. Praying with confidence. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5. It's the last chapter anyways. Let's pick it from verse 11. And then we will, we will call this an evening. It says, and this is the record. Boy, oh boy. This is deep. Mm. Okay. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that has the son has life. And he that has not the son has not life. Hmm. All right. He that has the son has life. He that has the son has not life. Verse 13. It says, These things I have I written unto you that believe on the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So he's telling us what we have received. He's telling us what we have received. What you and I have received is an entity called eternal life. What you and I have received is a substance called eternal life. Remember, John instructing us in the Gospels, John 10.10, 10, he tells us that the thief comes to steal to kill, to destroy. Jesus speaking says, but I am come to give you life, Zoe, and to give it to you more abundantly. So John is telling us here in the previous verses there, he was talking about the witnesses. He says in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit bear witness. I have to, please pardon me. <laughs> I just have to, to, to bundle this together, trusting the Lord that your spirit will be open to receive this. So he says in heaven, the Father bears witness, the Word bears witness, the Spirit bears witness. Witness of what? He says on this side of eternity on earth, the Spirit bears witness, the water bears witness, and the blood bears witness. Witness of what? That we have received eternal life. That it has been made as a tangible substance that humans will be made to partake of. Remember, this was the obsession at the very beginning. That there was something you could partake of and you could live forever. He's saying, no, your approach to it does not involve python. He says, I don't need you to engage serpents in disobedience thinking you will unlock eternal life. He's saying that the route to eternal life is the son. Why? There is a record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit have insisted it has to be this way. On earth, the Spirit, the one who was there, the one who is, the one who has been gifted to us on this side of eternity, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. Bear witness that you and I have got eternal life. All right. I need to say this. Please pardon me. Let me just say this, and then we'll wrap up this evening. The Bible tells us the story of a man who seemingly experienced the spirit, meaning he became born of God. He became a believer. Because the Bible tells us he became saved. Who seemingly experienced water? Because the Bible tells us he engaged in the physical process of baptism. However, he did not experience the blood. And hear me, you cannot lay claim of eternal life until you've experienced the blood. Until you've accepted the concept of Jesus, our propitiation, until you've experienced that cross of sacrifice, that place of exchange, where you acknowledge that blood was shed for me, I've come to this cross, I'm dropping away things. The man I speak of is Simon the sorcerer. 
in Acts chapter 8 in the story of the Samarian revival where the evangelist Philip had taken the city for Jesus. There was a man there who was a regular member of the church but had bitterness in his heart. He was a regular follower. If you ask Philip to sign why your members, he will tell you this guy is now born again. But when the apostles came, they submitted to a higher level of the anointing. And then they review. He said, I want to buy this thing. He says, you've experienced the spirit. You claim to be born of God. You've been baptized in what? But you've not experienced the cross. He says, there is a goal of bitterness that is at work in you. And you have no part in eternal life. You have no part. You've not experienced the cross. Are there many in our churches today? Many clapping hands with us, raising only hands with us, nurturing abingers of bitterness in their heart. They've not experienced the cross. They've not experienced the blood. They've not experienced eternal life. But we have confidence in the perfect work. We have confidence in the perfect work of Christ. If you can give me verse 14, we have confidence in the perfect work of Christ. Thank you. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, hears us and if we know that he hears whatsoever we ask we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him let's jump down to the last verse 18 to 21 i believe we've jumped a few verses but i trust that you've been blessed we know that whosoever is born of god sinneth not but he that is begotten of god keepeth himself and that the wicked one toucheth him not hmm and we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness verse 20 and we know that the son of God is come and has given us an understanding that we may know can you count the number of no's part of our responsibilities is committing to knowledge of him <laughs> you know the definition John gives of eternal life in the book of John that they may know him, that they may know you. Wow. That we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And the last, this is what an interesting way for a letter to end. Having discussed all we've discussed, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. So many words said, trusting the Spirit of the Lord to work on our hearts. Why don't you take a minute and say, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you because you desire more with me. Not necessarily more from me, but more with me. It says, for it is God who is at work in us, both to will and to do. He wants more. He wants more. Why does he, why, why does he want more? It's for your good for your good. God's nature is love in and out. There is never a selfish request God has made. Even though he created us for himself, he does all of this just because of you, just because of his love. Father, we receive your love this evening. We receive your love this evening. For as many who have experienced the water, experienced the spirit, but yet to experience the cross, he says, children, my beloved, <laughs> these things called idols, they are real. But there is a place you can go to. It's a place of the cross. It's an experience of his blood that nothing else will satisfy. Your presence is heaven to me. Nothing else. No one else. Not even a person, not even my, my celebrity pastor, not even my faith teacher, nothing else we will take your place. But your presence is everything to us. Someone under the sound of my voice this evening, you've been touched by the word, but you are not sure what to do next. The very first and most important step is to experience salvation, to receive eternal life, to know him and has been sent. Allow the Spirit of God to do a work on your heart. Today, 
Say goodbye to your idols. Someone is saying, hey, I don't do idolatry. I don't have any carvings in my house. <laughs> I speak of no carvings, but I speak of every other thing, every other affection. Remember, this is a call to intimacy. Everything that you have desired more than his presence. Everything, everyone you have desired more than his presence. That's your idol. They don't need carvings. We have living, breathing, speaking idols today everything occupying that space it's a game of thrones the lord of lords the king of kings seeks expression on your heart to sit there as lord of all but there is a vine for the throne of your heart today we say lord jesus reign lord jesus reign in this heart reign as lord supreme my spirit my soul my body fully yielded to you remember since we have this confidence in the place of prayer we have this confidence. Father, I agree with your sons, your daughters, honor the sound of my voice, making a decision for you. Even as they believe in their heart that Jesus is the Son of God, I ask that your spirit will invade them, that their names are written, engraved in you, the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you because they will serve you all the rest of their days. For in Jesus' name we are praying. In Jesus' name we... Come on, come on, come on. If you can... Wherever you are, jam those ends together. Give the Lord a big shout! Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at kicccanada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember you are a champion. God bless you.